Welcome to Christian Life Assembly Online. We are so glad that you were able to join us. We hope you enjoy the message this week from Pastor Jim Poirier. For more information, please visit our website at www.clawinnipeg.org. Or if you have a prayer request, please email us at prayer at clawinnipeg.org. I am continuing to speak on the theme of why church. Today I want to touch on the theme of unity in the faith, of being one. And all of us have attended weddings, I'm sure, and there's all kinds of different traditions that couples employ in their ceremonies, and one of them is the lighting of the unity candle. And I am never sure uh, how the couple wants to, to do it. Each couple may do it a little different where, you know, perhaps the mothers come up and light the candle, each representing their own child, and, and those candles burn through part of the ceremony. And at a certain point in the ceremony, the pastor will say, okay, the couple's going to go and, and light the unity candle. And they walk over and, and they take the two candles that are lit and they light the center candle, the unity candle. Now here's the question that we all wonder is, are they going to snuff out their own candles or leave them burning? And it can be done either way. Well, there was one uh, wedding that took place and the bride very impishly with a, a gleam in her eye after they had, had lit their unity candle, she leaned over and blew out her husband's candle. So in the ceremony, or after the ceremony, one of the men uh, said, you know, during the ceremony, the two become one, but it's during the honeymoon that they discover which one. So today we're talking about this passage of scripture that talks about until we all reach unity in the faith. So this brings us to the question of what is Christian unity? How is it seen and demonstrated? Do we all dress the same? Do we all have the same stance on the consumption of alcohol or dancing? Do we all agree on end times doctrine? Are we pre-post or mid-trib, as they say? Do we agree on essential doctrines? It would be impossible to bring agreement on virtually every issue, practice, doctrine, and belief in the church today. It would, be, it would be literally impossible for everybody to absolutely agree on everything. When you look through the New Testament, there were certainly disagreements that they had within the early church. In fact, there were times when they would have to draw the church, the council together, and they would discuss various things, and, and they would decide on them and determine that, well, this is the way we're going to move forward. But it didn't necessarily mean that everybody still agreed, but they decided to walk in agreement and in unity. In the early church, each city would have one church. Now, uh, that church may meet in various homes throughout the city, but it was recognized that they, each city would have one church. So the church in Ephesus, the church in Galatia, the church in Philippi. 
In Winnipeg alone, uh, I looked through the listings, I didn't count them all, but I saw 725 churches listed in the city of Winnipeg. I, to me, that number seems high, but it's probably fairly accurate. And I don't know if you've noticed, but Joanne and I find when we're driving throughout the city that, oh, well, there's another church that's, that's sprung up here and, and another one here and, and churches going into little retail spots. And, and, and the wonderful thing that's happening is, is I was in a gathering uh, a couple of months ago and heard from some church planters who were from another part of the world who God spoke to them very, very clearly and told them to come to Winnipeg and plant a church. And I thought, isn't that marvelous? That God's speaking to people in other parts of the world and sending them to our city to plant churches. It's a marvelous thing. And so there are going to be among those 725 churches a lot of differences. Uh, unique practices, maybe different beliefs, but I think if we are all under the banner of, of Jesus Christ and we're preaching the gospel, there there ought to be some unity. Now, there may not be uniformity. We may not all look the same and act the same and worship the same. But there ought to be unity among the body of Christ where the gospel is being preached and the word of God adhered to. Unity is the ability to accept diversity and difference. And I want to talk to us this morning, first of all, about the blessing of unity in the body of Christ. Now, we know that there are distinct differences in the body of Christ. If you are one who uh, has traveled and visited various churches or attended other churches, you'll know that there would be some things we would be the same on and some things we'd be very different about. I like to visit other churches and see what they're doing and, and learn from them because, because oftentimes they've, they've developed something that, that's, that works well and, and, it, and it's a good idea and, and so we can learn from each other. But there is a call for us to be unified in Jesus Christ. Unity in agreeing on essentials. Now, there can be good unity and bad unity. Bad unity is when Herod and Pilate kind of uh, work together to ultimately see Jesus crucified. Bad unity is when a, a mob gets together and, and chants, crucify him, crucify him. And, and the unity of this mob obviously pushes Jesus toward the cross. That's not, that's not great unity. So we can be uni unified around things that are good and we can be unified around things that are bad. Years ago in the South, in the States, there was unity in the churches. And the unity was that uh, blacks would not be allowed in white churches. That's not good unity. That is not what the body of Christ is about. And so there was this separation and, 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 and people were divided up by by color. I can't even imagine that. That's not good unity. Good unity is when we come together and, 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 and we're one in Christ and, and we don't look at where other people are from. 
So how do we make sure that we unite around that which is good? What are our checks and balances to make sure that what we're uniting around is actually of God and is right? Because as we have heard, we can become united on wrong things. Well, here's a few things that I want to list. That we are united around the inspiration and the authority of the Bible. So the Bible is the truth. And we agree on that. We agree that the Bible is is the book that we follow. It's the script that we read from. We, We are unified on the Trinity. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We're unified on the full deity and humanity of Jesus Christ, that he was a fully man and fully God. We are unified on the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ on the cross, recognizing that he went to the cross in our place to die for our sins. That's something to be unified on. We are unified on the bodily resurrection of Jesus and, and the second coming. He's coming again. We're unified on salvation by, by grace through faith alone. That we don't work for our salvation, but our salvation rests in the finished work of Christ on the cross. And although there will always be points of disagreement among thinking, educated, rational people with opinions and viewpoints, it is still possible to disagree on certain things as long as we agree on the essentials. We can still walk in unity. What are some of the blessings of unity that that a local congregation can experience? Well, I think that one of the things that is a blessing is that it is a safe environment for people. When there is disunity in a church, it becomes an unsafe environment spiritually. What do I mean by that? Well, there will be conversations in in back rooms. There may be conversations in foyers where this one is speaking against that one or or people are speaking against the leadership of the church and 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 it can be disruptive uh, where faith is broken where trust is broken where where people begin to turn against each other that is not a safe environment and we need to be sure that we are safe people safe to be around that what comes out of our mouths is safe and uplifting and builds others up and not tears them down. Uh, There's there's a certain strength that comes to us in the body of Christ when we choose to walk in unity. I think of a father who was raising two sons and these guys argued about everything. If one said this piece of pie is good, the other would say it wasn't good. If... uh, if one said it was going to rain out today, the other one would say, you're ridiculous, it's going to be sunny. Uh, and they argued about absolutely everything. It was driving the poor dad nuts. 
So he thought, I gotta, I gotta get through to these guys. He had been telling them for years to stop arguing and nothing was changing. It was getting worse. And he actually feared that there would be a breakdown in their relationship that could last the rest of their lives. And so he took them outside and he said, go find a stick. And they each went out and found a stick and he said, now bring it here and I wanna show you something. And he said, now each of you in the count of three, I want you to try and break your stick. Well, one, two, three, bang. They, they, they broke their sticks, snapped them in two, no problem. And they stood there quite pleased with themselves. He says, now go out there and I want you to each pick up four sticks each. And so they, they had trees around in that. So they picked up these four branches, four sticks, and, and they brought them back. And the dad took the four sticks and bound them all together in a, a pile of eight sticks and tied them with twine. And he said, no, I want you to break this. And they couldn't break it. They couldn't break eight sticks. They could break one, but they couldn't break eight. And he said, I want you guys to remember that if you stick together, you're going to be stronger. If you stick together, you can't be broken. And you guys need to stick together in life and stop, you know, sniping and, and, and everything. Because if you do, you're going to be alone and you're easily going to be broken. And that's the way it is in the, in the church too, is, is we need to stick together. We need to be bound together. We need to be tied together. Because the church is not easily broken. The body of Christ is not easily broken. Your family is not easily broken. If you stick together, if you're tied together, if you walk together and, and decide to agree together, there's something safe about that. Another blessing of unity in the local congregation is, is that it can be loving. In spite of faults and failings, I'm going to talk about that in a moment, we can be loving and, and, and experience love. And how many of us need to be loved? I think another example is, another thing is that we can be exemplary. There are all kinds of people that, that don't know what it is to, to, to be able to walk along people and get along with people and, 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 and be in harmonious relationships. And the church should be an example to the world of what it is to, to walk in love and harmony and unity. Man, we are living in a world today where people are angry and they're attacking each other and they're intolerant of each other. And if you don't agree with me, I'm going to go on social media and destroy your relationships and destroy your reputation. And, and if you're working somewhere, I'm going to demand that you get fired. Well, I think the church should be something that stands very much apart from that in that we are exemplary in how we treat one another. Another blessing of unity in the local church is, is that it will be missional. That rather than being distracted by controversy, the church can focus on its mission, on its purpose, on its, on its call to reach their communities for Christ. Hey, if a church is, is, is bound up in controversy, is bound up in division is bound up in bickering and not getting alone, let me tell you, that church is not going to be missional. Another wonderful thing about a congregation that is experiencing the blessing of unity is it's going to be fruitful. It's going to grow. You want to bring your friends to a church. And I, I encourage you to invite people to come with you to church. You want to bring your friends to a place where there's love, where there's acceptance, where there's peace, where there's unity. You don't want to bring a friend into a place where people are, are bickering and fighting. 
But one of the blessings of unity is that church will be fruitful and it will grow. Second point I want to make this morning is the pursuit of unity in the body. Now, the Bible says in our text, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith. I find when we're reaching for something, we're moving toward, we are grasping for, we are wanting to grab hold of those things that we're reaching for. And so unity is progressive in nature. We are reaching for unity. We are striving to attain it. And if we have it, we are striving to to hold on to it. Because unity can slip away. Unity can be lost. And when people start to reach for other things, and I want to start to reach for my own will, I want to reach for my control, I want to reach for my opinion to prevail, then we're not reaching for unity. And so unity is progressive, and we need to continue to reach for unity in the faith. Unity is always going to be a work in progress. Unity is always going to be something that we are reaching for. And it comes about as we mature in Christ. As we reach for Jesus, we're also going to be reaching for unity. As we grow to know Jesus Christ in a deeper way and grow in our relationship with him, as we grow to understand through the scriptures who Jesus is, we grow in unity. As we grow together in our faith in Jesus Christ, we should be growing in unity. That we may be growing in unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. We're going to be talking next week about the knowledge of the Son of God in a much more uh, detailed way. As we grow together in Jesus, we should be experiencing a greater sense of unity. I want to talk also, thirdly, about the threats to unity. One writer uh, said that Christians are like porcupines. Porcupines on a cold winter night. And you'll have a group of porcupines and and, and they're sitting there shivering and freezing. And so what do they do? In order to stay warm, they get closer together. And as they huddle together, what happens with porcupines? They end up poking each other, stabbing each other, pricking each other. And it hurts. It hurts. And so they have two choices. They can stay together and keep poking each other. Or those little injuries, those little pokes that they're getting can drive them apart. And then they're isolated and they're cold and they're alone. And that's what it's like in the body of Christ. When we get together, when we draw closer to one another, when we get to know each other, we're going to poke each other. We're going to prick each other. We're going to hurt each other. And so what the Christian does is not retreat into his own corner or her own corner, but we begin to understand the relevance of the teaching of forgiveness. 
Why does the Bible emphasize forgiveness as much as it does? Because we hurt each other. And that's when we begin to understand and recognize the need of grace. You cannot be in a relationship and not exercise grace toward the person that you are in relationship with if you want to hold on to that relationship. When you look at a young married couple, they may argue about the most insignificant things that you can ever imagine. They'll argue about this, they'll argue about that, they'll argue about how you put the knives in the drawer, they'll argue about uh, whether you close the, 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 the cupboard doors or put up or put down the toilet seat, uh, they might argue about in-laws, they might argue about relationships, they argue about all kinds of stuff. I always say that the first 10 years of marriage are the worst. After that it gets better. Some say two, some say ten. But then you look at another couple that have been married for 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 years. And they don't argue so much. They're not so prickly anymore. Because they've learned to tolerate. They've learned that every hill isn't something you die on. They've learned that you don't have to fight about everything. Sometimes you just let it go. And, uh, and we end up, as, as, as we've been married for a long time, we end up having little spats. We call them spats, don't we? Where you just, and then that's over. It's done. It's not, it's not argue all day and, and into the hours of the night. It's a little spat, little disagreement. You move on. You forget about it. You sit down and you have your tea together. You see, we can't be in a relationship for any length of time and hold on to that relationship without recognizing the need of of forgiveness, of grace, and mercy. And it's true in the church as well. Closeness, let me say this to you, closeness in relationships can actually harm unity in the body of Christ. Think about it. You can get close with somebody and and actually harm unity, end up by getting close, end up destroying a relationship. It's like you think you know a guy until you go camping with him for a week. And you got to share a tent and cook together over an open fire and go down a a river in a canoe with him and and you're stuck together for a week and at the end of the week you might want to kill each other. Closeness can actually destroy a relationship. And so that's why we need to learn to forgive and show grace and exercise mercy and closeness in a church can actually harm unity. And we need to recognize that, that it's work. And it's something we got to keep moving toward. So I've experienced some church splits in my life. When I was 12 years old, our church split over, of all things, believe it or not, the use of the gifts of the Spirit. A Pentecostal church split over the use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit because they were misusing the gift of prophecy and instead of using it to edify and build up each other, they were using it to attack people on the other side of the church or maybe to attack the pastor. And so the church split. 
And it was a, a time in my life as, as a young Christian where I thought, this is a side of Christianity I don't like very much because, because these parents that, that broke up our church, they actually had kids and those kids are my friends and, and I don't get to see my friends anymore. And there are some of those friends that left that I have never seen or spoken to for the entire rest of my life because the parents couldn't get along about something. I've seen a church split over one broken marriage where a prominent couple in a church uh, split up and, and, and he got his side of people on his side and she got her side of people on on her side and then she left the church and, and the church actually divided and the poor pastor trying to keep that thing together I thought it was going to kill him just, it was just a, a lost cause I've seen churches split over, over leadership issues or, or groups of people wanting to be in control or maintain control it's a sad thing when, when it happens there are threats to unity that can hit any church. And so I want to give you a few points this morning on, on how we can safeguard unity within the body of Christ. The first safeguard is to work at harmonious relationships. And I want to I emphasize the word work. Work at harmonious relationships. It's a choice. They don't just happen in your home or in your church automatically. If you have been married for any length of time, and you're still married, you've realized something, that love takes work. If you are living in, in, a, in relationships with other people, with friends or roommates or whatever, if you're sharing a household, you realize it takes work to have harmony in relationships. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, I think really underlines this concept. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. And listen to this. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Here's a good indicator that you haven't forgiven. That you rehearse the hurt. You rehearse the disappointment. You talk about it. You go over it in your mind. You bear a grudge. You think about a situation, a circumstance, a person, or a conversation, and it brings up anger within you. And as a result of maybe an incident or a series of incidences, you will separate yourself in that relationship and step back. That is not bearing with each other. That is not forgiveness. That is not what it is to forgive grievances that we have against each other. And this is a word to the body of Christ. That Christians can have grievances against each other. So work at harmonious relationships. Do your work. Do your work. 
and don't be lazy about it. Another way to uh, safeguard against threats to unity is to preserve and protect unity by knowing Jesus more. And our text talks about that in Ephesians 4.13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, there's something that brings us together when we are unified in Jesus. Another way to safeguard against threats to unity is understand that unity is displayed by racial, cultural, economic, and social differences coming together in unity and diversity. I think diversity has has become a bit of an overused buzzword in our culture today and certainly in Canada. But man, it ought to be very much alive in the body of Christ. The body of Christ needs to be diverse. I love the fact that in this church, people gather together from all different parts of the world. They've had different experiences in their church life and in their, their, their times growing up. And, and, and we come together diverse but unified. And so Galatians chapter 3 verse, um, where are we at here? 3 verse 28 says, There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor fee, free, male nor female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. We're one in Christ. Another way that we preserve unity and protect unity and, and, and take safeguards against threats to unity is we preserve and perfect unity by acceptance and appreciation of one another's different gifts. When we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21, it says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. There is an understanding that we all have different gifts. And we promote those gifts among each other. We don't look at, at somebody with a, a gift of prophecy and say, listen, why don't you... Why don't you stop exercising your gift that's getting on my nerves? We don't look at the person with a, a gift of exhortation and say, why don't you just you know, learn to shut your mouth? You talk too much. No, we, we promote the use of the gifts. We, we, we accept the different talents, as, talents and gifts that people have, and, and we encourage them in their use of their gifts and not use it as a point of disagreement. Another way that we safeguard against threats to unity is, is we preserve and perfect unity by accepting all whom Christ has accepted. Now this goes back a long time, back in the days of the Jesus people, where hippies were coming to know the Lord, and they were coming into church with their long hair and their t-shirts and sometimes they're bare feet and they'd walk into these 
these conservative churches that were prim and proper, and, and they'd sit on the floor in front of the, at, at the altar and, 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 and in their messy clothes and long hair, and, and it disrupted people. And, and there would oftentimes be times when they would be told, don't come back until you get a haircut and a suit. Well, that's not accepting the differences that will come through the doors of the church. We preserve and perfect unity by accepting whom Christ has accepted. We're open to that. We preserve and perfect unity by rejoicing when other gospel-preaching, Bible-believing, Christ-honoring churches do well. We're not in competition. We're not jealous. We're not judging. But if they're preaching the gospel, we celebrate with them if they're growing and if they're prospering. We're, we're happy that the gospel is being preached. They're on the same team. They're not an opposing team. They're on the same team. We're playing for the same master. We're in the same league. Another way that we preserve unity and protect it and safeguard is we preserve and perfect unity by holding firmly to essential biblical truths while guiding ourselves or guarding ourselves against the pride of being right. We need to be careful that we don't have pride about being right on every minor issue. I think that that happens in our relationships and in our conversations too that you don't always have to be right your opinion does not always have to prevail there is room for disagreement there is room for other viewpoints there is room for other opinions we don't have to be disagreeable and demanding that we are right but we make room for other people sometimes a smile and a nod goes a long ways in perfecting unity. It's a great testimony to the world when the church is in unity. And I'll tell you this, it's a horrible testimony to the world when a church starts to fight. Be loving and gracious toward one another. So as we close this morning, Number one thing that draws us together is, is Jesus. It's a relationship with Jesus. It's growing in him and knowing him. We are to be perfected and unified in Christ. And beyond that, there's all kinds of differences. Don't look for a church where everybody is in agreement but we want to be the kind of church where even though we may not agree on everything, and as we grow, that becomes more of an issue because more new people come in. We're a place where people can choose to walk in unity and bring their different life experiences, sometimes different viewpoints, maybe a different denominational background. And in some cases... They may not, may not have any context for biblical Christianity and it's all brand new and we walk together in unity and continue to be perfected in it. Unity 
exists where grace and mercy and forgiveness and humility are present. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, draw our hearts and our lives together. I thank you, Father, for the unity that is present in this body. It is wonderful. And yet, Lord, we don't take it for granted. But we want to continue to work at it, to reach for it. Even as this church grows, Lord, we want to continue to reach for and strive for greater unity in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Christian Life Assembly's Message of the Week. Be sure to check us out at clawinnipeg.org for more information.